Good morning. Welcome to The Interns, a podcast by the World Affairs Council of Harrisburg. This week's COVID spotlight will focus on Brazil and Mexico. The Around the World 90-second segment will focus on the heat wave in Canada, Mexican oil conflicts, and safe spaces for LGBT students at Christian colleges in the U.S. Our main discussion is about the recent surge of voting restrictions across the country. Now, Around the World in 90 Seconds. I've looked at um, information regarding the heat waves in North America, specifically, um, you know, looking at Canada, um, and it's found that this is an extraordinary heat wave and it's very extreme. It's not like uh, what the region is used to. Um, several cities recorded temperatures a full five degrees Celsius above previous records, which is quite a bit, um, you know, when you're at home without an air conditioner, like many um, uh, people from Canada are. Um, and this is kind of being seen across the world um, at different times. So like a Siberian heat wave last year saw temperatures more than five degrees Celsius above um, previous records uh, between uh, January and June. And then there was also a study done um, by the Met Office on extreme heat in Russia that found that these temperatures are almost impossible without human caused climate change. So if anybody's still having doubts about climate change, uh, these studies and these heat waves show that this would not be possible if it wasn't for you know, us humans being here and doing what we're doing. Um, but what's interesting is that they talk a little bit about the heat waves and how um, they're kind of a silent killer. And this is because a lot of the time, you know, when you have a flood or when you have some huge horrific weather event, you can kind of see the path of destruction, right? You can see buildings flooded and you can see, you know, cars stuck in water and all of those terrible things. But when you have a heat wave, you don't really see it. Um, people pass away, unfortunately. And the even bigger problem with that is that it takes months to actually figure out the mortality of these events. So you don't really see the destruction and you know you see the mortality, but that's months later. So a lot of the time people aren't taking heat waves as seriously as they should because of this. Um, and what this article really suggests um, and what experts are really suggesting is yes, of course we need to cut carbon emissions, but at the end of the day, even when we do, we're still gonna have um, even higher heat waves than we do right now because of you know the climate we've already created. So we also need to invest in adaptation um, to be able to protect people, protect especially our elderly um, and those vulnerable. For my news, I am going to talk about Mexico and the oil company Pemex. Um, this early June, they seem to be getting attacked at all sides. Um, on July 2nd, one of their pipelines, one of the pipelines owned by the company experienced a gas leak due to the lightning storm conditions and as a result it is believed that around 5 15 a.m a lightning hit started the fire in the gulf additionally the mexican company is um facing and the mexican government is facing pressure from u.s companies that wish to have access to a new um oil discovered in an oil field um named zama u.s companies are claiming because they have already invested 325 million dollars in the development of the oil field they should have access to it However, it is believed that, oh, I butchered the name, um, Andre Lopez Abrad, Obrador, um, the energy minister, will not reverse his decision because he is a strong energy nationalist that believes that the companies um, should own the resources in Mexico, or should be Mexican companies. Um, my last topic was on Christian campuses uh, being safe spaces for LGBTQ students and just more so affirming them and supporting them. 
So it focused, they were more so focusing on how to remove the stigma surrounding sexual orientation and religion. And the communities are imploring that not only churches take accountability, recognition, and create comfortable and safe spaces for the LGBTQ community, but that our colleges and universities also do the same, specifically religious affiliated institutions. Um, granted, individuals have have to create those spaces for themselves, and then and they do have the opportunity to do so while on campus. Essentially, the students are asking that they already be that there already be a presence for them on that campus. And students just want a more pro progressive and inclusive space for all of their voices to be heard. They want equality, essentially. Now the COVID spotlights. Yeah, so um, I looked into Brazil um, and to look at their COVID response and it has not been um, as aggressive as um, developed, other developed nations. So Brazil, um, their president, unfortunately, uh, President Bolsonaro, um, was very hesitant in uh, really believing in the virus and the vaccine and has really increased and encouraged uh, misinformation and disinformation regarding the vaccine and the, um, uh, the pandemic. So, you know, he's been quoted saying that, you know, the pandemic is just the flu, don't worry, you know, and telling people that, you know, they should be wary of the vaccine. And as a president, that holds a lot of weight. Um, so as a response, the Senate of Brazil has launched a criminal investigation into the Brazilian president um, and for his response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it's been said that the investigation could lead to his impeachment. And so far it's found that he's rejected over um, rejected offers and has failed to port purchase vaccines over 14 times, um, which is quite a, quite a lot. And that could really help, especially because there's been such a poor vaccine rollout in the country. A very small percent of the country is actually vaccinated. And this is in part because of the president's actions and because of his rhetoric and misinformation, but also in part because the vaccine has been rejected and um, not purchased so many times and now it's not available. So it's very hard to get the vaccine um, in Brazil. So this ambivalence towards the vaccine as well as just purchasing it has led um, the country kind of down a very dark path. And now there's over 500,000 deaths um, in the country. Um, and there's actually a lot of Brazilians that are joining an anti-government protest in response to the poor response from COVID. So there are tens of thousands of a, um, Brazilians joining an anti-government protest. Um, According to the BBC, only 11% of the adults in Brazil are fully vaccinated. So this is not even close to the 70% threshold for um, herd immunity. So um, right now the situation in Brazil is not looking the best and hopefully the investigation into the president may lead to um, either a change in leadership that might better you know, the vaccine rollout, but right now it's unclear exactly what it will lead to, um, considering that he still has you know, 23% of the vote and is aligning himself with the centrists in government to try to gain even more uh, support. So it's unclear whether um, support for the president will sustain over this pandemic or not, and exactly what will happen. But right now it does not look the best in Brazil. Thank you very much, Ariana. Um, hi, I did, um, my country was Mexico and uh, the capital of Mexico City continues to be the epicenter of the pandemic for um, Mexico. Um, and while they're trying really hard to contain the virus, with the vaccine, Mexico is still experiencing in some problems. Um, only 15% of its population is fully vaccinated with 24% um, getting one dose. 
Um, there is problems with uh, many indigenous villages, which completely refuse to um, take the vaccine um, because of broken trust they have in the Mexico federal government. Currently, only adults older than 45 are allowed to get the vaccine in Mexico. However, the hope, according to authorities, is that by July, they will be able to open that for people that are under 45. Um, there also continues to be a problem when it comes to reports of deaths associated with COVID with a backup of 12,594 suspected deaths in COVID that await completion of laboratory tests. Even with all this bad news, the good news is that infection rate continues to decline along with the death rate as more and more people get vaccinated in Mexico. All right, yep, thank you, Xavier. Now for the main discussion segment. I love America more than any other country in this world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually, James Bolton. My name is Kennedy Holt, and today we'll be talking about voter restrictions. Hi, my name is Xavier Humphrey. I'm Ariana Jenna. And I am Aaron Joseph. So to start this off, we'd like to just establish a foundation of um, America and how throughout history, even though the founders in their statements of the Constitution and the Declaration promised equality um, and fair representation for everyone, not everyone in American society has been able to get that fair representation through voting. I think it's really interesting to, you know, look at the way that we have really just stopped people from voting, right, um, from the very start of our country. Um, and I think that, you know, it's so great that we are, you know, addressing a lot of the pain that has been and just destruction that has been caused for black communities. But I think it's also important when we talk about this to recognize, you know, it was what, a hundred years ago, women got the right to vote um, quite recently. I mean, with the, uh, the McCarran-Walter Act that granted all Asian Americans the right to become citizens, which then grants the right to vote. Um, and Native Americans also have issues voting. And I'm not saying that to you know, take away because I think it's important that we recognize all of these um, issues. Specifically, yes, the black community, because I mean, we've seen from the start of our country, the disenfranchisement, right? But I think you know, in this conversation, we do need to you know, just put forth that we do recognize that there have been many people that have you know, not been granted the right to vote that have been um, oppressed when it comes to going to the polls um, but specifically when we're looking at, you know, voting laws today that are trying to be passed, you know, those will affect certain populations. So we want to make sure everybody knows that we're looking at all people. We're seeing that there are, you know, chains and vast examples of uh, discrimination and oppression. Um, and if we focus on something too much, you know, we do recognize that many of our people have not been able to be granted the right to vote. Absolutely, I would agree. And it's important to also note that voter suppression laws and bills are the very demonstration on how white people have historically and presently used our governance systems and laws to maintain and continue the regulations of white supremacy, not only affecting those people of color or non-Black people who are people of color, but also people in whom speak different languages, religions, and so forth. I think that a lot of the time people don't really understand, you know, the weight of voter suppression, what it's done, mm -hmm. it continues to do. Um, so let's let's look at it. I mean, for a lot of time, people didn't think there was voter suppression. You look at history and, 
you know, you wonder why. And it's because there were things in the South like grandfather clauses, right? That mm-hmm. grandfather didn't fight in the Civil War, you can't go and vote, which means, you know, uh, Black Americans at that time weren't able to vote because their grandfather couldn't fight in, you know, certain war, do certain things. So, uh, because they were enslaved, quite frankly. Um, so, voter suppression is real and it still exists today. And I know we want to talk a little bit about that. Did someone want to speak specifically on um, what's been going on today or did we want to you know, continue this conversation of the past? I think um, for today, it's interesting to like look at the past and look at today because um, the tactics they use are honestly like, as much as they're different, they're very similar. Like mm-hmm. um, I think one example is in Arizona or some of the states that have um, a pretty large Native American population um, uh, that live on reservations with um, them being very far away from their polling place because, well, the state had made the polling place far away. And oftentimes they have one person take their ballots to the polling place to return it. However, in those um, those states with the, a lot of Native Americans in there that use that system, past voting regulations that say that people can no longer do that, which is kind of insane that that one specific group in the state that uses that mostly would be most affected and it just came randomly. It doesn't, it's like a consolidation like, oh, it's to protect the voting, but why is it affecting this one group specifically? And like how- It seems targeted. It Mm -hmm. seems very targeted. I'm I'm gonna go off here and um, I'm gonna start, fighting for the other side here. And I'm not intentionally doing this, right? I'm gonna go for the other, other argument. For, no, you to say no, that, <laughs> for you to say that voting restrictions still exist today, I don't think, I don't think that's right. Cause I feel like, I feel like, right? We come from a long way. And as generations passed, we've moved forward. And for anyone after the age of 18, whether you're Asian, whether you're black, whether you are American, whether you are, gay, whether you're lesbian, whether you are, it doesn't matter, woman or male, you can vote. But they all would have to agree with you because you also have to take into consideration mass incarceration and how the prison industrial complex- I'm not talking about mass incarceration. I'm not talking about mass incarceration. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, listen to what I'm saying. Hold on, let them finish, let them finish, go ahead. I'm saying everyone can vote. And not, it's not just talking about mass incarceration or anything like that. I'm saying today we have found a way that everyone can just can participate in their voting rights and anyone can do um, pretty much elect their leader, elect yeah. what they want for their community. There's no there's no restrictions in it. You have to be 18 and for some states got to have a voter ID. So for you to say, for you to assume that many people don't have that, that's, I, I don't, I don't believe so. I think that you're like, your statement is interesting, but I think that one thing to compare it to, like for voter ID, for example, are literacy tests, which inherently, like they don't seem that suspicious. It's just- Literacy tests happened, happened like 20 years ago. Yeah, you can't be yeah. talking about literacy tests right however, now. However, they, they seem inherently okay because they're just testing to make sure you can read. However, a majority of Black people couldn't read back then. And the point is, like, for example, majority of Black people don't have the ID or identification that is needed to vote. And the issue is that there is no, and it says you can get an ID for free, but that's not in fact true. A bunch of Black people don't have a birth certificate. You have to pay for that to get that. 
And the problem is that if those things affect those sort of groups, it is it can seem like voter restrictions. It it very much is. Yeah, and Aaron, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I agree that we have come a long way, right? We have. But at the end of the day, we haven't at the same time, right? So when we look at the laws in place, when we look at what's actually there, um, you know, for example, why do we have elections on a Tuesday, right? When, you know, people are working. Think about a single mom who's got to work all day, all night, just keep food on her table. How's she going to get out and vote? She's not. That's the thing. You know, there's other countries that have voting all weekend, right? That's that's very helpful. That gets a lot of people out to vote. That, that in itself restricts, right? And I'm not saying that that was necessary. I mean, I, in my heart of heart, I believe that that was put in place for a reason. But, you know, if we want to be fair and say that that wasn't, then we can. But then when you look at other things, right? So gerrymandering, right? That's a huge way to suppress votes that typically affect uh, communities of color. And if those listening don't know what gerrymandering is, um, it's essentially redrawing legislative districts to um, kind of benefit the party in charge. So what'll happen is like, let's say for example, Philadelphia um, in the state of Pennsylvania, if someone uh, gets in charge, one of the legislators and they want to uh, kind of help themselves, let's say it's a Republican and I'm not making that for any reason, I'm saying this because Philadelphia is blue, they'll split up the county of Philadelphia to make it, you know, so that they have less clout and less ability to affect um, what they're doing. So there are completely ways today uh, that voter suppression is happening, that the right to vote is less, um, you know, persuasive for certain people. Um, And there's even more, like when you look at the legislation getting passed, it's just kind of ridiculous to me because, you know, in some places in some counties, they have uh, voting poll locations, they don't have enough. Um, And people will have to wait outside for hours upon hours. And they're trying to make laws to say that you can't bring someone water who's sitting in line. Essentially, you'll be charged with the crime, with the with the crime if you do that. That that prevents people from wanting to go out and vote. Um, And like uh, Xavier was saying, you know, the driver's license thing. I think that that's very important to look at because not everybody has a car. Who has a car? Rich people, right? If you're poor and you don't have the money to go get a car, you don't have the money to go get a driver's license. Um, you don't need you don't need a car to get a driver's license. Know that, right? Yeah, but you, why would you have a driver's license if you don't have a car? I mean, you could always drive a car. I mean, it's not it's not it's not it doesn't make any sense. But it's illegal though if you don't have a driver's license, you can't drive a car. But also, I think it's worth noting that people in whom belong to the LGBTQIA plus communities, if you identify as transgender it's very hard for you to get a new ID or for you to even be identified or seen as a woman or a man, whatever you may identify as now. So you also have to take into consideration that yes, sex does play a role in this as well. I just think, uh, you know, putting those boundaries really does hurt people. Um, And I think what's interesting is like, you know, what we've seen with this past election and what we've seen is, you know, an expansion of, accessibility, right? And we can all agree that, you know, providing mail-in voting, whether you like the idea or not, does increase accessibility, right? Um, And, you know, I I agree with experts. I agree, you know, with my professor who sat there and worked at the polls, who sat there and researched all of that, and who has told me in confidence that this is one of the safest elections we've ever had, um, because there's virtually no proof uh, substantial proof of any type of fraud. If I mean, if someone wants to say that there was, please show me the facts. Um, 
So to say that, you know, trying to take away the ability to, you know, do bail-in voting is also suppression in a sense, because now you're taking away the accessibility. I don't think people are trying to take away mail-in voting. They're trying to make it safer, <laughs> right? They're trying to make it safer so it's, there's no fraud involved at all. And I think that's what, that's what Republicans are trying to point out. That's what most people are trying to point out. They don't want to, like, take away mail-in ballot voting. They know what people want. They know what people need. But they're trying to make it safer. And there's laws to make it safer. Whether that is voter ID restrictions, I don't know. But I think, I think they're not trying to take it away. I think you guys are trying to fight the wrong. No, but essentially, I think you can look back into this past um, election and see that there was very much so suppression within the mail-in voting ballots. They were trying to suppress and really oppress people in whom were voting through mail-in ballots, specifically that, being that's Donald Trump. Trump. That was me. That was, that was Donald Trump. So you can't really be, like blame everyone, every Republican for Donald Trump's mistake. I, I agree. I don't think that a lot of the people that are voting um, are for the people are actually, like that's not what they want. However, I still think that the politicians that are in charge of it are like thinking about it that way because like i think um i can't remember his name um he was arrested he was like a mastermind behind like a bunch of the gerrymandering um mm -hmm. and he like had his daughter like found looked in his basement where he died he found all his records of him just like having mapped out whole areas of just like um sections and being like this is how you would express this voter this is how you express this voter and he like worked with all these politicians it's just like how like it's obvious that the politicians that work in that would that make these districts gerrymandered to suppress these voters. And that they are doing this to suppress certain voters. They're trying to choose their voters and not have the voters choose them. I also think, you know, we wanna say that we've come a, come a long way, but, you know, places that are like, you know, like the Brennan Center, it's calling the new wave of voter laws um, a voter suppression effort that we haven't seen since Jim Crow, right? And when we look at like, uh, court's decisions, they've gutted key provisions of the Voting Rights Act. So if we want to say we've come a long way, I don't know if we really have when we're gutting, you know, the legislation that we say is landmark, um, that, it, that has aided uh, specifically Black communities, and then we want to sit here and pass even more legislation that is perpetuating um, this difficulty to get to the, to get to the um, polls. And I think, you know, I remember Specifically, there was, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I remember hearing this story and I thought it was pretty impactful. Um, oh, also, voter registration is a huge issue, right? And that's a whole nother thing, but um, maybe we could talk about that later. But I remember hearing this story about this one time. Um, what used to really drive Black voters to polls uh, was churches. Churches were able to really, um, you know, they would register people to vote in church, they would get them out to the polls, huge efforts, and then that was made illegal, <laughs> right? And I think it's it's consistent. When we see ways that are like really helping bring people out to the polls, specifically people of color, then that's made illegal. Like Xavier was saying earlier about, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, Native American populations and how, you know, they were being able to bring uh, ballots in. And then as soon as it was seen that that was kind of helping them, you know, uh, get their votes out there, then it's made illegal. So I think it's just interesting to look at that because from what I've seen, there hasn't been any fraud linked to either of those things. So why is it being made illegal at that point? I, I don't get why it. Was it. Yeah, that was my question. Why was it made, being made illegal? Do you know? Was there any specific reason? Well, I can. I have a hunch. I mean, when a lot of the time, who's passing these bills right now? Is, is it Democrats? No. And you know why? 
because it's been shown time and time again, when more people are out to the polls, it helps Democrats. So Republicans are going to pass bills. You're going to see the bills like you do in Georgia. You're going to see a lot of bills and that's no hate to them. I'm sure, you know, if it was the other way around, it'd probably go the same way. But I think that's personally my opinion as to why you're seeing that. Yeah, um, I think that it's just with, I, I really wish that we could, it was easier because I feel like with the Supreme Court decision like that you mentioned, um, like they've just like, they've already gutted, I think one half of the Civil Rights Amendment or the Voting Rights Amendment, they gutted that a while mm-hmm. ago. Um, and that's crazy. It's crazy that they gutting these things because um, they were hard to pass um, even though like during the Jim Crow era. So why are we moving forward yet gutting things that were seen as good in the past, like that were seen as like good things. Like if they were seen as good things, why? Like they said, we moved on, like we're past that now. Then why would you gut it when it, by gutting it, you might have the chance of going backwards. You don't want to mm-hmm. go backwards. You want to keep that in place to protect from going backwards. Yeah, and they still have yet to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Yeah, yeah. And so that just speaks to another another problem it's and very, also i think oh i'm sorry go ahead Ariana. you're fine i just i was gonna just add in i think it's very interesting how partisan it is especially with that latest uh supreme court ruling mm-hmm. just how polarizing this is becoming the, the ability to vote <laughs> um scary that's scary go ahead kennedy i'm sorry it's okay and i was just i'm um, going to connect this back although it may not be exactly like that they have created some loopholes in which continue to connect back to that to the all-white primaries when white legislators in several states used all-white primaries to all but eliminate black voters present in the electoral process and yes although it may not be like that today they still use other segments such as mass incarceration or the prison industrial complex or voter suppression as we see with the laws in which are being passed recently for example Georgia and Arizona so I think we definitely have to take a look into that and identify those inequities in which communities of colors face and not only communities of colors, but um, your social class as well. Yeah, I think what's interesting with mass incarceration because you bring it up and I think a lot of people don't get how that's used to really mm-hmm. voting in the sense that, you know, a lot of states currently, you know, after you're incarcerated for certain um, charges, you know, after you've served, you're out of prison, you're still not allowed to vote for the rest of your life. And that's that's a tactic. I mean, mm-hmm. we see, I mean, I think those of us here can attest to the fact that, uh, you know, although making up a small percentage of the population. It accounts for more percent of prison. The black community, yeah, accounts for more percent of the prison when we see that people commit create, uh, crime at the same rates. So we can see that there's an issue there, right? And then from that, they're not allowed to vote for the rest of their lives in some states, in some jurisdictions, in some jurisdictions. So that's a tactic. Um, and that's, that's problematic, especially when we look at, you know, Europe, for example, a lot of places, a lot of countries there. Um, number one, of course, you're allowed to vote right out of, you know, right out of you get out of prison um, in a lot of the countries. But on top of that, some of them even uh, have legislation saying that you should uh, be able to vote while you're in prison. Well, yep. I agree with that. I don't know how people feel about that. Um, I, I don't personally have an opinion, um, quite frankly, because I don't know enough about it, but I think that it's interesting, you know, the difference and, you know, what that can do to populations. 
I'm going to argue the other side here. Um, mass incarceration. Okay. I think, I think people who are in jail are in jail for a reason. Okay. And you know, if you go to Harrisburg, let's say at 12, the city, all right, you see gang violence everywhere. It's not like it's, it's, it's scary. And these cops, they're risking their lives to go to Harrisburg and stop gun violence. And I, you got to appreciate them for what they're doing because it's scary. I mean, I don't think I would be able to go to Harrisburg at 12 in the midnight um, after hearing all the shootings. You see, you see shootings everywhere in the news, and it's just so scary. So mass incarceration is there. And while, while I agree with what you say, these people did do bad things. And if they're there for not doing those bad things, I think that's wrong. Okay, but, but you also have to have to take into consideration cash bails. If someone cannot afford their bail because they missed a ticket or didn't pay on time for their ticket, they're going to be sitting in a prison cell. They're going to be imprisoned. I think we need to bring this back to voting rights and what we're talking about here in the sense that, yes, of course, you know, uh, mass incarceration is the thing and you're agreeing with what I'm saying with that. But like what we're talking about is voting rights. And what we're saying is that, you know, to say that after someone has, you know, committed a crime, right, the whole purpose of jail right now is rehabilitation. It's trying to bring someone back to society so they can be a citizen that, you know, contributes to our economy, um, does what they need to do, um, and hopefully never does anything that they've done previously again. That's, that's should, that should be the goal in my eyes. You know, yeah, you're going to get punished by having to sit there and not be able to, you know, do what you would normally do. But the whole, whole goal is to put someone back in society to be a contributing member. Um, so then say, after you've served all your time, after now you're a member of society, you can't vote. Why? That's, I mean, you've paid your dues. You, you've, you've, you're now contributing to society again. Why can't you vote? It's, it's, a, it's a matter of oppression, right? If, if you were to say that someone can't vote while in prison, that makes sense to me. I, I can understand that. But to say after someone has served their time, paid their deed to society, and is now out contributing for the good of the people, now they can't vote for why? For why? Give me a reason other than suppression, and I, I maybe it'll make sense to me. But right now it doesn't. Let's say let's say you're a serial killer, Ted Bundy, all right, and he killed how many women and raped how many women? Um, can we just talk about that? Let's, let's, and let's then, pause for a second. And then, <laughs> and then and then he went to jail, right? He died. Obviously, he died. Obviously, that that's just different, right? What if he still was in jail? Let's like, call. do you give him the well, right? Majority to vote? of prisons like, don't allow you like, to vote. What is like? What do you give a serial killer the right to vote? Yeah, that's that's yeah. insane to me. I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's it's after you have been released, after you have served your time, right? That's when people are like, after you have like, let's say I commit a crime and I'm in jail or I'm in prison and I have to serve three years. After those three years, after I'm done, after I've served my time, when I am out, when I am free, when I am a citizen again. A lot of the time with certain crimes in certain jurisdictions, you're told you cannot vote again for the rest of your life, even if you're out of prison, even mm -hmm. if even if you're, you know, stellar in society, you can still not vote. That's how many states do that, though. How many states do that? It's not every state, though. That's no, it's not every state, but she's speaking to, to the states in which are doing that. That's so problematic that we have that even, you know, mm -hmm. like even if it's just one state, that one state is still suppressing people. Now, does anybody want to talk specifically about what we're seeing today with, you know, the For the People Act, um, the legislation that's coming out of a lot of states? Does anybody have any data on that that they wanted to share? I think that 
um, it's still, I think that it's a little, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's still too early for one to check on um, the effects it'll have. Um, but I do think that given the data you have with um, the people that use those specific things, um, for example, I think, what was it that, Georgia? Georgia uh, came out of it. Definitely one of them. Yeah, they're one of them. Yeah, Georgia has came out with um, And the states, they seem to target um, the communities. And I'm not saying that, like, some of the stuff in them, they make sense. Like, some of the new stuff, the recent stuff that have come out makes sense with, like, um, like, they say no giving, I guess, water. The people, like, handing out water bottles to certain people, like, politicians can hand out water bottles. And, like, that makes sense. It's bribery, I guess. They said that or something like that. Um, but, like, some of the other stuff doesn't really make sense. Like, um, like not allowing someone who accidentally um, goes to the wrong polling place. Like, that was deemed not okay. Um, and that your vote wouldn't count anymore. But I'm just thinking, like, first of all, like, that's a majority of people of color that go to the wrong polling place by accident. And for one, that's because a majority of people of color have their voting place changed every single year, which is kind of ridiculous that you're like, specifically people of color are having their voting place have changed every year, so. And what I think is interesting is why is it just now that we are seeing these laws? Why, why was it after um, we saw record turnout for black communities that we're seeing? Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of interesting to me. I think if it was an issue, I mean, we, we've been voting for what over 200 years now right we, we can see issues right so why why is it that georgia wanted to pass these laws right after the state turned blue why is that and i'm not saying that that's a republican thing a democrat thing i just think it's very interesting to see when there are record number turnouts of black voters now we see re restrictions in place and i i just that causes some concern for me and i'm not saying um it, it's one thing or another, but I do think it's interesting. Does anybody have any some like last points we want to get in here? Because um, we're kind of getting close to our time. <laughs> yes, I just wanted to conclude the same voting restrictions and suppressions and suppression not only imperils our democracy, but also jeopardizes its integrity. So I think yeah. essentially we all need to work together and implement progressive and impactful change for all people. Yep. And I if we don't have democracy, right? So, yeah. I agree. And I think that it's important to like, I think um, one thing I listened to before was like a black woman um, talking, like an old black woman talking, and she was like, it felt like during Jim Crow when she had to give up her ID. Like we have to listen to them because they experience it. And if they're feeling yep. like this is Jim Crow, it probably is something similar to that. They, they experienced it for a long time. Why would they not be able to tell when they, why would they not be able to tell if they're being suppressed again? Like yeah. they, they would be able to tell that. So. Jim Crow law happened 20 years ago. You can't be saying that like black women today are experiencing Jim Crow laws. That's that's crazy to me. But they are and they still persist today, Erin. I think it's worth doing a little bit more research on it and then coming back with some more updated information. I think it's important to We can end on that note just because we're kind of running over. But I think, you know, Erin, thank you for being our devil's advocate. Um, we always need one. <laughs> So with that, um, 
I think we all should go look even harder into this and research even more. Thank you everybody for listening to about, you know, our conversation about voter um, restrictions, voter suppression, um, all of that good stuff. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what comes. Thank you for listening. New episodes of our podcast come out every Monday and Friday, so make sure to stay tuned.